heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Every now and then again, you have a particular guest on that uh, might be a spirited guest, uh, somebody from the other side of the aisle, and it raises eyebrows or gets tempers up. Uh, and so it, it brings me to this thought about uh, this business of a divided country. You hear it all the time, a divided America, blue, red, you know the whole bit, you know where I'm at. And yet then you hear people, they say they want to unite the country, unite. And I actually think about that a fair amount. What does that look like, a united America? Is it even possible? I I think the quandary, the question I want to put out today, my fellow Americans, is uh, how do we engage people on the other side of the political aisle, especially when things are as aggressive as they are and uh, people get uh, they, they get nasty? basically. And uh, so that is the question I, I, uh, I ponder here today here. Welcome into the voice of a nation that is indeed Malcolm out loud here. Lots to talk about today and lots to bring you up to speed on the network as well and the platform as we get ready for a brand new year here. I'm always excited about this time of year. I do truly like this time as we get ready to do it all over again, God willing, in the new year. And I always say to myself at the end of the year, maybe we can get it right this time. You know, what do you think? You know, is that possible even, right? Yeah, probably highly unlikely, but we'll surely give it a good uh, try, won't we now? Okay, so let me just tell you on the weekend broadcast, I want to get right to the juggler of this conversation about, I had a um, somebody in from Los Angeles, a reporter journalist on the left side. If you listened to Viewpoint this Sunday, on the weekend broadcast, you probably heard a different voice at the end. And I used to have this person on years ago when I had a lot more of different political views and spectrums on the network here, on my show, rather, you know. You know, I've come to the conclusion that we all just, we like to hang with like-minded people, number one. It gets uncomfortable when you hang with people on the other side of political beliefs. So we tend to communicate and hang with like-minded people. And that's it's a pretty fairly common human human condition, really, all of us. I think people are, they're communicating uh, in in an echo chamber, if you will. And people want to hear their like-minded thoughts, especially on even social media, which is why I think it's become so grotesque, a lot of it, uh, because it's just a feud back and forth of nonsensical BS. Uh, I don't know really what it, I guess it's a form of entertainment is all it is really that I see this. Um, You know, it's hard to take a lot of it serious, really. But, you know, people go back and forth and they get very bitter and they get uh, very angry and nasty and they make it personal. But the bigger thing is this division where we want to only hang or we want to communicate with like-minded people. We don't really want to hear the other viewpoint. And when we do hear it, we immediately slam the door and we get we get angry. We get hostile in many, many cases. We don't want to hear what they have to say. 
So on the, on the weekend broadcast, I got a fair amount of feedback from folks because of the reporter, the television radio journalist I had on. And it was about sexual allegations uh, with the, the Me Too and the Harvey Weinstein and uh, the uh, that whole movement, Bill Cosby. And there, now you see there's a whole litany of these people, by the way. There's uh, uh, And this is all because the Adult Survivors Act out of New York they extended it for a year. You've got Cuba Gooden Jr., Jamie Foxx, Axel Rose, uh, Sean Diddy Combs. I mean, you've got a, and you've got photographers and executives and music people. And th- there's a swarm of these things. There's 2,500 lawsuits that have been filed uh, based on this Adult Survivors Act uh, that are lawsuits. And, uh, and, and th- there's a ton. And yeah, we could have that whole conversation, too, about how corrupt society is and how people take advantage of other people. But the bigger conversation I have is how do we engage with any of these people? And when I had this reporter on, uh, some of the comments I got back was like, well, this was obviously a progressive leftist reporter, somebody who was a bit woke. Why, why would you engage with them? And I got thinking about that a bit. Why would we engage with them? Why don't we engage with them? I mean, how are we ever going to have a conversation in this country if we're only talking to people who think like we think? And that's kind of where we're at now. We don't really, we slam the door on any other opposing views. Or you know what the other thing is? We want to make an ass out of them. We immediately want to, we do that a lot. And in fact, okay, listen, full disclosure, when I started in this business before America Out Loud and was out on the national airwaves through my publicist, doing a lot of the networks, right? So they would put me on some of the leftist, quite a few of the leftist programs, um, like Tom Hartman, many of those kinds of programs they put me on. And, you know, because I could hold my own, but... The, they become it becomes um, nauseating after a point that the their only uh, opportunity is not to really have a conversation with you. That's not their goal. It's to make an ass out of you. If you're a conservative on a leftist liberal leaning program, like the View is a perfect example. Their only point is to entertain people and make an ass out of you. That's what they do. It's all entertainment, you know. And and that's what I went through as a uh, radio, as a commentator and an analyst out there before America Out Loud, is I'd be on these programs and they would uh, invite you on and really make an ass out of you. Now, listen, when I got into this business, all right, it I, that really wasn't on my radar. To, I don't really find a lot of pleasure into making an ass out of people, frankly. I just don't get it. I, it's not for me. I, I just, I don't see the value in that to engage people and invite them on the program and then just to what? I know you get that from a lot of these cats out there. I get it. You know, it reminds me when I was my uh, manager, and I have to leave him nameless because he's a very well-known popular radio manager. He's discovered some of the most uh, uh, successful uh, radio voices uh, in the country. And I was out for dinner one time with him. Oh, this is about... Mm, about nine, ten, ten, ten years ago. Let's call it ten years ago. It's got, it's got to be right now. It might even be eleven. I don't know. Time is flying by, people. That's all I can tell you. It's a while back, and I remember being out for dinner with him one time, and he was, uh, you know, telling me about the business as I was just getting into it from my advertising days, you know, directing and producing radio, television, but not being in front of the mic. 
uh, at all. And, you know, I said to my great, great aspirations for the broadcast and for what I wanted to accomplish in the industry was, well, it kind of was to uh, make a difference in the world to uh, whatever, you know, of course, things were like, listen, things were not nearly bad back then 10 years ago as they are today. If I said that today, I don't know what he'd say. But back then I made that comment, yeah, yeah, because there was some sort of mechanism or driving me to make a difference in the world, okay? And I remember we're at dinner and we're sitting there and I'm sitting there across from the guy, you know, and I, and I didn't really like this guy. He was a bit of an ass. I uh, had an ego the size of Nebraska, if you will. But, you know, he was, he knew what the hell he was doing. And so who am I to, you know, whatever. So I listened to him. We're at dinner, he and I, and he, he, he stops me in my tracks and puts his hand and says, you know, Malcolm, I don't really give a good about whether you want to save the world or not. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, the business you're in is entertaining people. You have to understand what this is about. This is about entertaining people. That's, that's what this radio business is about. He made it very clear with me. And so... As I looked more and more, there, there's a lot of rules of the road in radio, actually. And as I started thinking more and more of it, and I, I said, okay, I get it. I get it. And that's where I sort of sometimes had a real trouble grasping who Malcolm Out Loud was. Was it the more serious character who was out to make that difference in the world? Or was it more of a flipping jackass who was just on here to entertain people for the, um, you know, the color of the day? It was a real battle, if you will, uh, of, uh, of ideas. And you have to wrestle it, though, to really understand what you're in this for, you see. And success, the metrics of success, uh, there are multiple ways to get there. But the traction and and uh, connecting with the audience has got to be key, friends. I mean, um, and my path, as you know, became a little different because of a lot of factors, including America Out Loud. Uh, and, you know, a lot of things have had a factor in where I'm at today and what, who my upbringing was, my influences, if you will. Uh, so in any event, I started with a program, and you might remember at the early start of America Out Loud, the, uh, it was uh, before the Ladies of Liberty sound off was a different one. It was um, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Pleasure. Do you remember that? Some of you folks that have been here a while with me, you probably remember that show, Life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So different than, obviously, the way we know, uh, the pursuit of uh, happiness and prosperity and all of that stuff, right? It was entertaining. And I was the male. It was a, It was based on gender and a lot of the stuff. This is before the stuff got really uh, wacky here today. And I remember doing that show with 10 women, the 10 women from around the world. And quite a few of them were liberals. Uh, about five or six of them of the 10 were liberals. They were all women. But they just happened to be from different countries, different. And we would engage on the various conversational points. It was highly entertaining, to say the least. You know, this particular reporter, by the way, who I had on Viewpoint was one of those cats who was on that program back in the day. So I got to know her pretty well. And her views and my views and in the in the political spectrum and, and in society are totally different. I mean, they just don't connect. And even when I connected with her this past week and I said, you want to come on after I you know, heard some things she had said, it's funny. I was talking to her off the mic and and we got engaged in some point. And, she, and people always want to talk policy off the mic. And I don't like to talk policy off the mic. I want to talk policy on the mic. 
You understand? Because I want my conversation to be, I want to have the spontaneity it needs. So I don't rehearse this stuff. It is what it is. You like it, you like it, you don't, you don't. Can't really help you. But it is real conversation, at least you're having. It's not rehearsed and, and preordained or orchestrated to whatever. It fits some sort of a narrative. But I remember talking her off the mic. She wanted to talk policy. And she started talking about, I don't know, somehow the conversation got to abortion. And she's a huge supporter of abortion. And I said, oh, you mean the act of murdering young people? Is that what you mean? She, oh, please don't say that on ear, she says. <laughs> I go, what the hell do you want to call it? I mean, you know, that's what she said. I said, well, this conversation really isn't about abortion. It's about, you know, the sexual abuse allegations and what have you. And oddly enough, when she was on Viewpoint, by the way, if you heard that, friends, she had to put the dig in there about Donald Trump and E. Jean Carroll, of course, you know, which was uh, not surprising. But I didn't go down that road because I wasn't interested in engaging on Trump. And, and that was not that. Because once you go there and you, you have the Trump conversation, <laughs> you've, you've hijacked the entire broadcast. You're never going to get to the rest of it. One of my um, associates here, and I'm going to bring on first here, but I want to talk to here, uh, Dr. Steve Latulip, who I uh, value a great deal, his uh, opinions and thoughts, what have you. So he said, he, I got a series of messages. He said, I thought she weakened the impact of the show. I did not sense from her a spirit of integrity, but rather a spirit of wokeness. I'd probably have asked her questions that would have exposed her insincerity. That's the making an ass out of them, basically, that part, which everybody does. I mean, I get it. The rest of the show was excellent. It was an excellent broadcast, actually. I would disagree with my brother Steve based on the, the last part of it as well, because I think it makes for great. Back to, back to Steve, what I was just saying to listeners. Back to, well, what the famous manager told me, back to entertaining people and back to that part of it. It does play to somewhat of that narrative that you have opposing viewpoints on it. You know, we kind of lost the spirit or fight, Steve, within the um, being a divided people and being willing and able to have some sort of metrical conversation. But to me, somebody like this, Gail, if we're going to have a conversation, understand how these people think. I think we need to have a conversation to understand how they think and what we, you know, how we might deal with some of that. So anyways, I share your message in good spirit and all. And uh, so pick it up from there. Tell me this business I talk about United and Division and how do we engage when we all want to be in echo chambers all the time? This Gail, she came on and said uh, she accused uh, President Trump of being guilty of uh, sexually assaulting a woman. Right. Uh, I don't know if it was rape or whatever, this or that. But um, you ignored it. You chose to ignore this subject because that's not where you wanted to go. Well, she but didn't say rape. Let me interject. She didn't say rape. It was a sexual. You're right. It was sexual um uh, abuse, I guess, or what do you call it? Yeah, it was, yeah. well, some sort of a sexual offend. He's yeah, because it was in that, it was in that dressing room at that famous uh, Herald's or whatever that famous, right. Uh, so right? Yeah. Right. So she's saying he, he is a sex offender. That's what the message was. You're, you were silent. And my concern for the audience was this. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, okay, Malcolm didn't even respond to, it. he didn't want to touch that. So maybe it must be true. But what I would have said, you know, I love, dealing with the opposition in any 
discussion, right. be it military, medical, theological. Right. I love discussion. I love hearing the opposite side. Mm -hmm. And no, I, I absolutely do not agree that it is a good thing to make an ass of anyone. I respect every human being okay. and, and their okay. viewpoints. But what we need to do is hold them accountable and say, you know, and the way I address people like that, I would have said, okay, let me put it in question form. I'm not going to call her a dumbass for saying, look, where's the evidence? But I would I would ask her, say, well, what, what evidence do we actually have for that? Well, you here's know, the problem. Here, here's a couple of things. Uh, I hear exactly what you're saying. Here's the problem with this. Uh, first of all, you're in a very, you're in a, about a 14, 15 minute interview. That's all I set up for that segment of the program. Okay. Very tight, very tight. And really right. it was about the, the adult survivors act out of New York and the litany of names and more of the current names, which she didn't mention by the way, uh, but she had to throw that one in there just to remind the audience. But what she was really doing is picking up a new, what she said is highly reported everywhere. It's not about believing it or not. It's been reported all over the place. And all she did was state facts. Her next fact was that uh, that this not only happened, but that, uh, that she got $5 million. She was awarded $5 million from the jury. All she was stating was facts. She didn't really opinionate in there. If you listen back to it, there was she wasn't given a personal opinion of it. She was stating like she had gone into yahoo.com and read the Yahoo notice or the ABC News notice, or the Washington Post notice, or any other, which was a fact. She, he, she got $5 million, and that was the story. That was what she commented on, Steve. You know, right. But but see her issue. I mean, what she was guilty of, if anything, and we're all guilty of this to some extent. So I recognize that. But uh, selection bias, you know, she she totally. was talking. Totally. She was talking about uh, people who have been sexually misused, abused by these highfalutin people. Right. Well, why? In the world, had she not ever mentioned, for example, the Lolita Express passenger list where, you know, the highest people were brought to a place to sexually abuse children. I mean, right. is, I, I was wondering, was is she pursuing that? Is she trying to get that list exposed? Right. Uh, in other words, does she have integrity or is you she know, just here's the thing? Gail is the kind of person she wants. She she. Uh, she does. She doesn't really. When the conversation goes negative or nasty, like with this topic of abortion, for an example, Steve. Okay, like she she believes completely in her total soul that it's a woman's right to choose. Period. Her choice. Her body. Her body. Her choice. Ba back off. And she's made that clear in all the years I've known this woman. She's a huge supporter of the fact that it is a woman's right to choose. It is not the Republican Party's right to choose or the court's right to choose or I guess anybody's right to choose. I imagine, and I never asked her this question, Steve, but she probably doesn't think it's God's right to choose either. She probably believes it is singularly her right to choose. Now, she's well past the point of having kids. But the point is, the point is, you know, that she believes that's the doctrine of human life and that they should be able to, you know, I referenced it as murder in the phone call to her that was off mic, which I would have rather had on mic. But see, she won't have a conversation with me on mic about abortion. I've invited her before with some pro and anti, you know what I mean? Abortion conversations. She sure, won't have right. that conversation because... She doesn't want to get into that human element. So the Marxist left, they sort of avoid it. They don't want to call it a baby or a human life, you know?
kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, Malcolm, if if you want my my just my summary of how do you actually engage the left? In other words, what is the art yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of, of reaching the left? Well, I think there's some phenomenal, very short, concise biblical principles. Uh, in 2 Timothy 4.2, we are told, or the Apostle Paul told Timothy, preach the word. And then he said, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. In other words, don't make an ass out of them. Have patience with them, but do your best to convince them, to straighten them out, to encourage, but you have to have a standard to do that. But we are also told in scripture, don't cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. And then we are also told elsewhere to shake the dust from our feet and just move on after a certain point. So, you know, that I try to blend that and say, where is the balance in this exactly. you know, when we're trying to reach exactly. left? No, you're exactly right. And that is part of the quandary of what I'm thinking about here in this division of uh, our of our country. And uh, I, you know, and I, but uh, Steve, when I, when I say, you, you know, and uh, when I talk about echo chambers, I mean, you can't deny the fact I don't think you can. The fact that people like to hear their like-minded opinions. When you look at just social media, it's a perfect example. And you look at any other thing like that. It's like it's like people, they turn on the channels that have the views they have. Like hardly anybody likes to go to the opposing view to hear it because it's it's a little bit of pain and suffering that you have to hear these whack-a-moles, uh, you know, like uh, Rachel Maddow. I mean, for you or I to listen to Rachel Maddow, we'd have to have a couple of stiff drinks, Steve, right or wrong? Yeah, that would that would be painful. Yeah, I mean, I, I right. find her disgusting. Everything about yeah. the woman disgusting. Her, her entire, uh, uh, you know, everything about her, her vocabulary, the way she addresses it, the way she outright lies about everything. But, right. And that's and that's what makes it so tough, because when we're trying to if we are truly trying to reach the other side and win them over, we, we have to remember that there are rules. Uh, we cannot be throwing temper tantrums. We can't be cussing them out, can't be name calling. I mean, insulting them. That is not going to win anybody over. Right. Right. All right. So the quandary I, I think about is it, within this division and this idea of a united America is uh how do we, and I, I really want to talk more about how do we engage uh, that other side of the political aisle. And that was really the whole uh, uh, juxtaposition of this uh, concept of the platform of uniting. Uh, it was of, of actually America Out Loud. It wasn't to be, um, you know, an opposing entertainment site to ridicule you folks and all that, but, but it was to bring a level of truth and a level of sophistication and in an attempt to maybe unite those things we can unite on. And and that's hard to do today, friends. I mean, it really is. And, you know, but then I, I, I see that on one side of the conversation, on the other side of the conversation, I'm reminded of the fact that I don't want to unite with the Marxist left people. There's no desire in me to unite with these bastards, none whatsoever. I say that as politely as a gentleman as I can, but I don't, there's nothing in common I have. I'm talking about the extreme Marxist left now, these lunatics, you know, and the way they look at life. And I look at them as really the enemy because I look at them as evil. And I think this is a fight of good and evil. And we got them in Congress. We got them all over Congress, but we got them all throughout our country. We got them in high 
positions, affluent positions in media world all over the place, in corporations, um, in the finance world, everywhere. And it, this is why we're having the troubles we're having today. But And it's harder to engage those people because they are so corrupt and they are so evil. And that's, I think, where we've gone uh, adrift here in our nation, I want to believe, I want to say to you, you know, that, that that's how I feel. Um, when we, um, in the second part of the broadcast, uh, we'll also have Wally Garneau will join us here in a little bit as well. And of course, Dr. Steve Rotula will stay with us here and we'll engage a little bit more on this United Division thing and see. Uh, let me also make a couple of important announcements with you that um, that are, are happening now that I, I do want to share with you. And that... Uh, we are planning a whole new launch of our platform, our website at americaoutloud.news. Um, and uh, so let me tell you what happens here. December 23rd, a Saturday on midnight, just before our uh, Christmas, uh, July, uh, July, about December uh, 25th, right? And um, so we will have a pause. The, the site will go dark, our new site. When I say dark, there'll be a, a, a face page up there with links to link to various things uh, to our talk radio network that you're listening to here and to other areas with an announcement of the new site. Uh, we have built a whole new, very powerful site from the ground up uh, for a lot of reasons. And uh, really, we're looking at a real huge opportunity coming into 2024 uh, to get it right uh, in the industry. And, uh, you know, we we beat to a different drum here at America Out Loud, not like a lot of the other sites out there that, uh, you know, um, that run all the ads and the Google stuff and the uh, shared sponsored content and all of that. We tend to do a little differently here and want to just have a more pleasant experience when you come to the site. So the relaunch on the brand new site will be January 1st, 2024 at noontime. Uh, on uh, That's when the new AmericaOutloud.news launches and the website will go dark on the 23rd uh, Saturday at midnight. I just want to give you that information as well. And on the talk radio, we'll be running Christmas classics, by the way, on the 23rd, 24th and 25th over the, the weekend into Christmas Day. And we typically have done that the last many years, I, quite a bit actually since the or, uh, our origins here. I think if you're a regular listener, you probably know that. We get a lot of compliments in too by doing that, by the way. We always have. I've never had anybody complain about that. I think most of our listeners appreciate the opportunity to get the respite and uh, to enjoy the season. And these Christmas classics are amazing. So we run those for those three days. And then that week between Christmas and New Year's, we'll be running best of, best of. And um, and that's because we have our radio host. We also want to give some time for respite and uh, our, uh, our uh, writers and columnists. So we'll be come back with a whole new agenda, a whole new platform and be ready to, uh, you know, to, to kick it forward here on uh, January 1st, 2024. I love always love the new year, love the opportunity to get it right in the new year. Uh, I've always enjoyed this time of year and I get, probably because I'm an innovative guy and I, I'm a visionary and I like to reinvent ourselves and re, I love innovation and I love the opportunity in the end of a year. And I've always done this in my own life, in my personal life and in my professional life. I create new goals, big objectives, things I want to accomplish in the new year. And then I go at it. And I've always done that. It's, it's part of my mantra and my uh, 
uh, mission all my life I've done it. So I encourage you to do the same thing. Let's make a better version of ourselves for the new year. You know what I'm saying? Let's make a better version of ourselves and let's uh, be sure we're accomplishing our dreams, the things that we want to accomplish. Let's be sure we're doing that. If we're not, we need to do a reality check ourselves. It's a shame to go through life and to wake up one day and feel like it passed you by and you didn't get done what you wanted to get done. And I've seen people experience that in life. I've seen some very close people to me wake up in their elder years when they're sick and realize they've their life has gone by. They didn't accomplish what they wanted to. They didn't know where it went. I don't wish that for anybody, friends. I don't wish it for anybody. And I'm not going to have that in my own life. I can tell you that now. So step back and do some inventory in your own life. Think about what you want to do when you grow up like me. <laughs> and then set out for some new goals and objectives for the new year. That's what I'll be doing myself. And that's what we'll be doing network-wide on America Out Loud. Talk radio at americaoutloud.news, of course, the website. So we'll resume new programming uh, for the talk radio uh, in uh, January, and it will be, we'll come back with a brand new program on Tuesday, January 2nd. Uh, we'll be all new programming uh, for our network. There will be some new changes in the lineup, uh, as we typically do. I mean, we'll be nothing crazy, but there'll be some new fresh air in some areas, and the scheduling lineup will modify somewhat in some areas. Uh, we'll bring you abreast of all those things. But you're going to love the new site, by the way. You're going to love it. Uh, and the new ideas and tools, it's going to be really, really cool stuff. Uh, so that's what's happening here as I uh, give it to you straight out of the, the horse's mouth um, uh, from, from my house to your house. There you go right there. Of course, I'm not really a horse, but uh, I guess that's the way we say that. So let's take a pause. We'll join you in just a moment here. You're listening to the voice of a nation. The silent majority has spoken. We say let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at Liberty at America Liberty at America Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Part of the struggle of our nation is the fact that there are we're a melting pot of pot of beliefs, first of all, as is by design. That is the diversity of America. Like we're not all one particular kind of people with one particular kind of thoughts. It was never designed that way. That is not America. You can become an American. You can't become a lot of things in the world, but you can become an American, hopefully legally. Uh, but that is the deal. It's the richness and the spirit of our nation. It what It's what this was all about with the European settlers and all that made America in the early days, the nation that it was and that it is today. And now we are having some struggles in a lot of ways as a nation, as we're becoming of age and coming of age means we're now becoming, a, you know, we're a nation that's further down the road, 247 years down the road. And so time to do some inventory and figure out where the country is at and, um, uh, what we are going to be ahead. And of course, there's a lot of things that are eroding our confidence, uh, a lot of things that are happening in the immigration sphere and things that are uh, some major erosion in American values and in our history and in our um, belief system as a Judeo-Christian nation. All of that plays a big part of this, friends. So all of that is eroding our country in ways that it's sometimes hard to it's hard to find that country that we grew up with. You know what I mean? On the sandlot balls for those of us who grew up in those days. And, um, you know, it's hard to find those days anymore. They just don't exist. Uh, we become a much different kind of country today. I, maybe part of it's the maturity of the nation. I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, it's a known fact. Let me let me ask this question. Let me get Wally in here, Wally. And, you know, Wally, a lot of countries historically burn out. And I think, I don't know why, but when I've looked historically at these things before, I remember the, again, I don't know why that number sits in my mind, but I've always remembered not a lot of um, uh, great uh, empires, for a better word, um, have made it past the 250-year mark. It's a hell of a landmark, actually, for a uh, and uh, a, 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 a country, an entity like this here, it's it's less uh, common, I guess. Uh, do you sense that at all? And do you sense there's a little bit of fizzle going on here in America? I don't think you're talking about empires so much as you're talking about republics. Empires have lasted thousands of years. Uh, empires are historically unstable because they have dictatorial leaders, and how good the empire well, is is largely determined by how good the leader is. I think you're talking republics. And yeah, well, republics well, it doesn't to... matter. Well, hold on. Stop there, please. Republic, empire, country, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying in general. Use republics if you like. But what is the, does that change? What does that change? I mean, Well, it changes a great deal. Countries, for example, 
people have lasted for long, long periods of time. Look at the Byzantine Empire or look at look at England. England's been around, you know, forever. Well, not forever, but since the Romans left. Uh, but when we look at republics, <laughs> republics do tend to last about 200 years. And is, the reason the for cutoff? that is, yeah. but, but it's not a cutoff. What I think happens is, and we see this with every generation, every generation. My dad told me once, there are some lessons you're going to have to learn the hard way. And he would say, I'll teach you. I'll tell you not to do stupid things. But some of those things, <laughs> stupid as they may be, you're going to do it anyway, because you're just going to think you're smarter than me. Go and figure. that happens. Yeah, well, that happens not just within a father and a son, but it happens between generations where there are some lessons that every generation has to learn for themselves because they think that they're smarter than the generation before them. Well, it, it's uh, sometimes and that we just think we need to learn our own lessons because I had that conversation, by the way, with my son just the other day, Wally, had the go. same conversation, the same one you just said. And so, but yeah, no, it's, it is part of the way we think we need to fall down, scab our knees and learn it, learn it our way. Right. I mean, that's not a bad thing, I guess. It's hard to, you, you just can't cover that stuff up, I guess. I tried, but kid's going to learn things his own way, isn't he? Well, you can't. And one of the things that we seem to have to learn every generation is that socialism doesn't work. But not all of the things that revolve around this follow a, a, a one generation pattern. Cultural change often takes a lot longer than that, where the children of a, of a particular generation will change the culture a little bit, but they won't just throw it out. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, you get to a certain point within a republic where the, the core values of the republic begin to come into question, such as the freedom of speech, such as whether or not you really need to have a democratic voting process to have democracy, whether or not maybe some people just simply shouldn't be able to run, whether or not you should be able to exclude large segments of the voting population, such mm -hmm. as those who disagree yeah, with it. Yeah. And, and so republics tend to fall apart because the cultural changes, which are not one generation to the next, it's a longer cycle, but a similar one, uh, there's, there's, it's, it's just impossible, it appears, to, to, to force a culture to accept those so values So are we at that point now? Are we coming to that point now? I believe we are there uh, at this point now. We, we are becoming unglued. We're getting tired and fed up with each other. Yeah, Absolutely. We are uh, at what we were very, very likely at the end of our republic. And the reason is that most people of a young age no longer have any faith in our values or our institutions. They want radical change. They don't want the freedom of speech. They don't want, they say they want democracy, but then they say, but we should be able to choose who can and can't be president. Donald Trump, he shouldn't even be able to run. Joe Biden said, you know, we'll use right. every legal means at our disposal to prevent him from being the next president. Okay. And he also said, we're going to weaponize, he didn't say weaponize. He said, we're going to utilize every part of the, uh, of, of the federal agencies in order to do things like get out the vote campaigns, partnering only with people that are on our side of the political debate. Yeah. So, yeah, the, our, our republic okay. very easily. But well, that's not that's a decision we have to make is whether or not this is the death of our well, republic. Well, and, you know, it, but you, you're using the word republic. Now, when I, you know, when I'm using the, um, I'm using it metaphorically, an entity, an empire, meaning a great empire, a great republic, or call it whatever the hell you want, whatever the flavor of the day is. You're going back to say, like, are you are you referencing that we've had a lot of constitutional republics in history? Well, we haven't had very many constitutional no, republics. No, not at all. I, yeah, this but if you point. look at the ones that we have had as a republic, they lasted about 200 years, and then they turned into something else. Which was and my in point. In some case, 
Yeah, in some cases, though, they lasted a lot longer as an empire than they did as a constitutional republic. Right, right. So again, I'm, I, I use the word uh, metaphorically. Uh, you took it literally and ran with it, the empire. I'm not talking like we're the uh, a dictatorship of some sort, just to clear that up a moment here. So this thing, let's get back to the point of context here, and not so much down to what happened uh, back then. But this uh, division and uniting point I'm making here, engage in the left, engage in the left. Talking in uh, echo chambers, Wally, talking uh, where that's what's going on. Well, you know that full well in social media world. That's all they do is talk in echo chambers. As soon as, listen, listen, as soon as you say, put an opposing view in the thread on social media, like for real, they'll call you every which name. Everybody does it, everybody. And then they'll block the person. They go, nanny, nanny, nana, and they block them. Like, like that's like routine out there. Is that right or wrong? Is that what they do? Absolutely right. And it's not just social media. I was raised in a liberal household, so I go through this every time we have a family get together. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all got them, Wally. We all got them. I mean, I got them all over the place as well. The people don't know their 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 head from their backside. Uh, and um, you know, but but this whole idea is is this uh they don't want to hear other viewpoints. So how do we take that? What I really can't understand, how do we take this concept? Everybody's all over social media. They don't want to hear opposing viewpoints ever, like ever, ever. And like, as soon as they do, they block everybody. They want to stay in their echo chamber. They want everybody to tell them how fabulous they are. And with like-mindedness, I mean, to me, I I don't see how this succeeds. It's a bit of a suicide mission, Wally. Well, it is. And I think to communicate effectively with anyone, the first thing you want to do is find common ground. So the first question I think we have to ask ourselves in approaching the left is, can I find common ground with this person? And the question there is, am I talking to somebody like Bill Maher, who believes in an objective truth and an objective reality? Or am I talking to a postmodernist who does not believe there is any such thing as an objective truth or an objective reality? If facts become subjective, then then the only point to talking to somebody, according to postmodernism, is uh, for power projections. So there's no point in communicating with a postmodernist at all, because the only reason they're going to talk to you is to try to exert power or or to make you look better. So to your point, uh, this particular person, just as an example here that I had on Viewpoint, uh, Gail, uh, is that uh, what we had in common, okay, is the fact that we don't like sexual abuse. We don't like it. No matter if it's coming from the left, the right, or the center. Now, Wally, let me ask you a straight question. Do you like sexual abuse? Generally, no. Oh, generally? What the hell does that mean? Uh, there's some, some women that might be in I've, I've known women that I may have made an exception for. That was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke. Yeah, no, I, nobody believes in sexual abuse or sexual. No, of course not. Well, no, there are people who do believe in it. They engage in it all the time. I mean, uh, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world are everywhere. They love it. Well, I think Harvey Weinstein knew what he was doing. No, but they're everywhere. They just I thought just he could read, get away with it. I just read a litany list of people that have been in 2,500 lawsuits and that Adult Survivors Act. I mean, sexual abuse is running all over the place. I mean, come on, right? So people do well, believe in it. That's. I don't think they believe it's okay. I just think they think they can get away with it. Those wow. are not the same thing. These are sick bastards, I have to tell you, no matter where they come from. Uh, Steve, i got to ask you, do you believe in sexual abuse? Um, I, do I believe in it? Uh, well, it happens in my medical practice when I did pain and addiction medicine 
many, many patients who have fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, migraine headaches, all that sort of thing, uh, have those conditions. Do as you a result believe of people should have abuse? the right to be sexually abused? So let me rephrase absolutely the question. Absolutely not. I'll take it out of context. Okay. Absolutely right. not. Absolutely well, could, not. All right. I just, all right. I'm just trying to understand because while he said, but yeah. generally, no, being funny, but it's really not right. funny. And here's my point. So back to common ground. Wally had a great point. Find the common ground. See, so in a, can, in a case of this uh, leftist, wokest uh, journalist, my common ground with that person, Steve, would be the fact that we don't like sexual abuse. Do you understand? She doesn't. Yes. I don't. She's a leftist. I'm on the right. I'm a conservative. We don't like sexual abuse, period. End story. Is that a fair? I mean, right. That's the that's the common ground. Right. right that's there. a common ground. I would agree. Yeah. And so taken now from that common ground, that's where I come together. And I say, yeah, I'll have you on the show and we'll talk about it. Now, from there, you know, you can get into the different cases. And again, and now let me ask you this. I, I, I let me. Uh, I, I want to ask you both a very uncomfortable question. Um, and uh, Wally, I'm going to ask you first, because, uh, all right, do you, I mean, I just, let me ask you a story. You're probably going to give me a straight answer. I think you will. Did, in your mind of mind of mind of hearts and hearts of minds, do you think Donald Trump created sexual abuse in his lifetime? I'm going to guess that based upon the definition of sexual abuse that we use today, which is different, by the way, the definition of sexual abuse that was used in, say, 1970 or something, I'm going to guess, yeah, he probably has. I'm going to guess most people his age have done something in the past, and it may have been acceptable when they did it, but something that would no longer be acceptable today. And since our society today seems unable to make that distinction, well, uh, they still find him well, guilty. Let me interject. Does that mean when she says no? Is that what you mean? No, of course not. No was always oh. meant no. I mean, something like, uh, I remember okay. when Bill Cosby, one of the accusations was that he grabbed somebody and kissed her. Yeah. There was a time when, as long as if she tried to push you away, you let her do it. That was not so such a taboo thing to do. But today, you know, you have to ask permission to hold her hand. So now, things that in the past were not considered gregarious well, at all today all right. are considered terrible. And, and she should ask permission to hold your hand, frankly. What works for one works for the other, right? Well, if you believe in that sort of thing, of course. Well, I believe equal rights. Does that stand well, for anything? Everybody claims to believe in equal rights, but when the Titanic starts going down, a lot of the women and children still want off first. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. That's a great one. Oh, and, and actually, and that can be used anywhere in life. They all think that. Women and children first. Look what's going on in the, in the Middle East right now. Women and children, women and children. Boy, there is something to that. I guess we do that as gentlemen, Steve, you know. I guess, is that what the way that is, or is that a sexist thing? When you let, is it, Steve, when you let the woman or the child into the boat first, is that sexist, or is that like being a gentleman, or is that like equal rights, or what does that mean, please? That's a good, good question. Well, it, it, yeah, it's just a, it's a priority of showing um, high regard for uh, we don't, would I dare say the weaker sex, uh, because are they weaker? Well, in some ways they're weaker, some ways they're stronger, but it, it all gets into a semantic argument. The mm -hmm. ultimate, uh, the ultimate impetus between, uh, relationships with any other human being is yeah. to show respect for yeah. one another. All right. So and, did, did, did Donald Trump, uh, have, uh, do you think he has done some form of sexual abuse in his life? Yes or no? Do you think? Um, yes and no. I, I, it depends on how you define sexual abuse, as Wally said. I mean, sexual abuse, physical abuse, uh, many of us who were raised by fathers back, you know, in the Depression era when they were born. Uh, yeah, we, we were hit pretty hard, spanked pretty hard. Today, that would be absolute physical abuse. So when it comes to sexual abuse, 
you know, trying to put your arm around a girl, yeah. pat her on the behind or whatever, yeah. you know, is that sexual abuse? Well, today it is. Today's standards it would be, yeah. Uh, Steve, yeah. what you say there is a great analysis. I, I agree with what you say there. I remember back as a young boy, uh, your my, my dad having a nine-tail strap. When you stepped out of line, you felt that strap right on the back exactly. of your ass, yeah. Today, they'd have you locked up and put in a, uh, in a prison, you know. <laughs> <laughs> for right. doing these things right uh so right. it is a different you're right and the whole note of sexual abuse i think you're right as well is probably different and has changed over the years so it's hard to say the whole Lee Jean carroll thing i thought from the beginning just to make listeners understand just to put that to rest which i didn't have that conversation with gail because it wasn't about that i never believed that story had that it was true that this would happen in a dressing room in that department store i mean how do you get raped in a public department store in a dressing room i mean i, I just don't see how that even happens i mean now could he have done some other things along the line? Very possibly so. I don't have a freaking clue. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, how do we ever know what people are doing? And, you know, Steve, another thing. How do we know what's in people? We don't. Come on now. Come on. We don't really know what's in their hearts and their souls. And and frankly, we all love to judge everybody. Did we do this in this country at, at will? But yet, you know, I do believe there's something to be said about walking in somebody's shoes uh, before you can speak about that person. And I hate it when we judge everybody without even knowing what the facts are. It's called gossip, Steve. You know that? Yes, exactly. And it is it is always destructive. It really is. But it happens all the time and everybody does it. And in the case of this, we don't really know how many of these people are not. So back to the bigger point now. I'm moving along quickly here. But this whole point of uniting and division of having a conversation. So, uh, in case, you know, I don't know. I kind of, you know, it just depends where you're at at that point of your mind. There are times when it's good to engage these people, but how do we engage if we're going to be in echo chambers? If we're going to, you know, I guess, Steve, the way I put the quandary out there with you and Wally both is if we're going to block everybody and we're going to stay in our echo chamber, how can we have a real conversation, Steve? Can you can you answer that for me, please? Well, you probably can't unless somebody is open-minded. If they're not open-minded, then our first goal in engaging the left is to try to get them to open their minds, to consider another option, whatever that means. And be. they would say the same thing about us, Steve, right? I mean, they would say the same thing about us. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, no, then no. it comes down to the issue of do we have a standard that we can reference? Because if we don't have a mutual standard, which we always historically have, and that was the standard was the Constitution inspired by the, the Bible. Um, we are a Judeo-Christian nation, as you said. And so I think what we're experiencing today is not so much a burnout of a nation or an empire or a world power, but we are experiencing a falling away from the standard that made us so prosperous and so great in the world's view. Well, they can't argue there either. And uh, our faith is, is uh, there's an erosion of faith for sure. And uh, we see that. It's, that's been building for a long time. That's been building since before I was a kid. In the As I share with you all the time, friends, when they started talking about the manger scene being illegal on the street corner near the Kmart or the 7-Eleven in your community, that was, oh, my God, we can't have that. But, you know, I mean, like, please. I mean, I mean, we learned all of that in the Sunday school and we knew what we knew. And um, anyways, it just became a thing here. 
Um, Wally, let's get a, a word in here on this bigger point that I, I asked Steve about within this. It's a fascinating thing about uh, division and unification and the way people throw it around today. And but the way they block everybody and stay in their echo chambers, how can they really have a conversation if we don't take the time to figure out the other side, sir? Well, I think you have to. The first thing is you have to determine what parts of the other side it's worth having a conversation with. If it's somebody like Bill Maher who believes in objective truth and objective reality, then you find common ground. You build off from there with your story about sexual assault, for example, or sexual abuse. Once you both agree that sexual abuse and sexual assault are bad, you can start talking about definitions of what is sexual assault. You can start talking about what standards we should have in terms of who should get prosecuted. Uh, should there be a presumption of innocence and things like this. So you start trying to find more common ground and build off of that to have a conversation. Uh, but if you can't find any common ground in the first place, that starts getting hard to do. And when you're dealing with people who believe, for example, in shared uh, or, or uh, in, in personal experiences and uh, and in perceptions rather than objective reality, well, if they believe that, you know, I feel that I was assaulted, therefore I was, how do you even how do you right, even right. if you can't find common ground, what basis do you have to communicate at all? Other than as the as the postmodernists say, a struggle to see who has more power. And to your point, there are a lot of those people around today, Wally. You know, there's a lot of that right happening in society, right? I mean, come on. Oh, absolutely. It's dominant yeah. within our young within within our yeah. younger age groups. Oh, it's dominant would be the pro proper word. I think you're exactly right. Within these generations, it seems to be very dominant. It, it, uh, it's, it's, it's become the rule, not the exception. Uh, whereas we grew up, it was the exception rule. It was opposite of that, I think, you know. Um, so I think I, I, I like this conclusion that we come to and that you both are on that page as well. Um, for me personally, um, I got into this business, even though that manager in the story I told you up front, friends, uh, that a successful radio manager reminded me this was a business of entertaining and uh, go save the world on your own time, Malcolm. <laughs> that was pretty much the message at that dinner I had. And, and while I understand the business metrics of this and the entertainment metrics of it, I've still never lost my passion to make a difference in the world. I think you know that. And I've never lost that, even though he, he ridiculed me and tried to set me on a different path back then. Uh, I think engage in the other side. Um, I, for me, I like to engage more of the other side as possible. I found more recently, we're doing more and more of these broadcasts and echo chambers. And I'm sad to admit that I'm seeing more of it, more of it uh, even on our network, uh, that we are... And I don't want to become a radical echo chamber of thought process. It's worrisome to me. Yet people seem to literally think because there's an opinion or a thought on America Out Loud, it's like they're, they're aghast, like, OMG, they think that way over there. That's how they are over there on America Out Loud, because they lump everything in together. And then they think, like, that's my view somehow. Friends, I don't agree with a lot of things that are published on America Out Loud. Frankly, I don't agree with a lot of things that are said. There were things said on my show a few weeks ago about Israel that I totally rebuke and thought was non nonsense from some military folks. Uh, if you heard those shows, you probably know what I'm talking about, uh, that it didn't matter, that the hostages didn't matter, and that Israel's on their own, and who gives a rat's ass? And you know, there were a lot of things said I don't agree with, but... You know, 
I believe we can have these conversations as ladies and gentlemen. Uh, listen, I'm going to hold true to what I believe. There are certain things that are not negotiable. And I hold those non-negotiable items in the highest order. And that's the way I look at this. My conservative values and my faith are not negotiable. And certain things in life and the abuse of others, it's not negotiable. Putting justice where injustice is, is important to me. Right and the wrongs. These things are not negotiable. That, that's, that's a core value. You'll have to have core values in this thing. That's all I'm saying. So for me, those core values are critical. And that's what makes this move every day. So when you come to America, we're, in fact, you're going to see in the future of the new platform, it's going to be very apparent at the top. We're a group of diverse opinions, of diverse people. We do not all beat the same, think the same, eat the same, act the same, talk the same, and be the same. Nor should we be, you see? So we are, and, and they don't get that. There are media groups who ridicule when, when you have different opposing opinions, they come after me all the time, friends. I've got emails from these folks. We should have a conversation one day. And they're, they're highly entertaining. And they've done it to make an ass out of me. And they'll send these messages and they want me to opine on all the stories on America Out Loud as to why this printed and why they have a different viewpoint, like election fraud is a perfect example. Do you know how much of those I get in from the media groups now? And they want me to opine on it so they can make an ass out of me, you see, and ridicule the network. And you know what? I simply don't engage with those lunatics because that's their only goal. Their only goal is to do exactly that. And they use their source to think that you have to beat to their drum somehow. Anyways, there's a lot to it. But there's a bigger point to what I'm trying to drive home here is, you know, isn't it, you know, more refreshing, actually, to come to a platform with a, um, uh, you know, with uh, honesty and integrity and people who have authenticity, who just don't say to you what you think you want to hear, or like turning on the Sean Hannity hour, and you already know what he's going to say before he ever utters a word, that all Democrats suck and Republicans are heroes. And that is the divided nation we live in right now. All Democrats do not suck, and all Republicans are not heroes. I've got news for you, friends. i got a couple of bridges I can sell you if you believe differently. Okay? Yet, we go around talking about uniparties and, you know, and uh, rhinos and all of this stuff. But they don't want to admit there. And there are a lot of great people out there that should be brought into a bigger conversation. Let's have that conversation here on America Out Loud moving forward. Let's have it in the new year. Let's invite more of those gales in and engage in those conversations. We may not agree, we may not like it, but we can still have the conversations at the end of the day. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.